We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what's up, y'all? We're going to break down our midseason Royals prospect rankings here in just a second. Stick around. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in possible. Welcome back in to another episode of the Royals Farm Report podcast. My name is Alex Duvall, joined by my co-host for two weeks in a row. The band is back together, Joel Penfield and Josh Kaiser. Gentlemen, I am fired up for our conversation this evening. I We've been running the rankings down. We are down to our we're number 11 came out last week. By the time you're listening to this, numbers 10 through 6 will be out. This is the first time in a long time that our top five will actually kind of be a mystery. Like for a long time, it was just kind of obvious who the top five were going to be. Now, in what order, you know, that was always kind of, but since 2019, it was always Bobby Witt Jr. And before that, it was after 2018, it was like Brady Singer, Jackson Coar, the college pitching class. This is the first time where I really don't think the readers will know who number one is. And I think they're going to be surprised to see who number one is but I'm really excited to get into our rankings later on. Really quick, Joel, how are we doing tonight? I know it's been a long week of baseball. It's been a um, just kind of it's starting at now that the trade deadline's gone. All of the excitement around the Royals is centered around the young guys in the lineup, but, but how are we doing? Oh, we're hanging in there. You know, it, it's been fun the last couple of weeks watching the Royals play, consistently seeing five, six rookies in the lineup. I've talked about it a bunch on One Royal Way. This is some of the most fun I've had watching the Royals in at least since 2015. It really feels like it has been that long since I feel that invested every single day watching them play. And I know that the series against the Dodgers whole, you know, holistically did not go well, but the Royals beat the Dodgers on, today on Sunday. 
That is the Dodgers' sixth loss in their last 47 games. So I hope you all understand the gravity of winning that game and not only winning it, but shutting them out and only allowing two hits. So that is a really nice, happy flight for the guys headed to Minnesota this week. Joshua, how are we doing tonight? Uh, doing swell. Uh, like Joel said, it's, it's kind of cool to see your uh, the guys we've been talking about for the past you know, few seasons kind of coming up. And uh, it's very interesting to see the Matheny doing the gymnastics to get every, every guy reps in there. So it's very interesting to see. But I'm having fun. It's uh, it's uh, like like you've said, it's it's been the funnest it's been uh, this season seemingly. Let's let's really quick. I want no more than sixty seconds. We don't buy Matheny just wanting to get more guys. Like there's no way, zero percent <laughs> chance. That he looked at the lineup for the Dodgers forty minutes before the game. Went, hey, they're throwing a lefty. Let's get Melendez out and eat in. There's a zero percent chance that's that was actually a weird. The cake, right? That that was odd. That was really odd. and it was an even weirder answer when he was asked about it. Yeah. Like, like I don't, we don't buy that for a minute, right? That he just wanted to get Nate Eaton to look. I mean, what? I, I understand getting Nate Eaton in the lineup, but to yeah. take Melendez out was odd. I, I, yeah. I got nothing on it though. Very they won. Strange. They, they won. Obviously, something worked. So I'm not going to complain too much about it. Okay. Yeah, I don't buy it for a minute. I don't. We were shooting back and forth in the group chat. Like, was Melendez late? And I'm like, how late do you have to be to scratch him from the lineup 40 minutes before game time? Like you submitted one lineup. He should have been there by then. So, I mean, who knows? I don't know. It was just a very odd answer that I don't buy for a minute that he was just like 40 minutes before game time. Hey, let's get another righty in there, but there's our 60 seconds on that. So anyway, gentlemen, let's get into our minor league minute. As always, our minor league minute is brought to you guys by drum farm drum farm center for children is a foster care center in Lee summit, Missouri. Their, their kind of claim to fame is their Compass program. Their Compass program was built to support foster kids who have uh, aged out of the foster care system. They're 18. They've graduated high school, and now they need help getting on with their lives. Um, the foster care system, unfortunately, kicks those kids to the curb once they graduate high school. So very cool to see that. Thanks to our friends out at Drum Farm for sponsoring the show. Uh, who's got Columbia tonight? I do. The Joel's Columbia got Columbia. Fireflies. That game, the Sunday game just ended, so they took four out of six from the uh, Myrtle Beach Pelicans. The second half, Fireflies still in it. We're feeling good. Gavin Cross and Caden Wallace debuted this week down in low A. Gavin Cross, he kind of struggled. He was like one for his first 12 or so, but he went three for five today with his first low A homer, so he's really coming around. And Caden Wallace is only hitting 455 in his first four games in low A, so that's, you know, nice start to the week for him. Carter Jensen keeps producing and it's it's insane what he's doing as a 19 year old down in low a 737 ops now he's and if you're a batting average guy he's hitting like 230 now so i know that the 160 didn't look great earlier in the year but it seems like some of the the process and the ability to hit the ball hard kind of like what we see with Vinny pasquantino in the major leagues like it took a little bit for the the hard hit balls and the process to start to kind of catch up with the results and we're starting to see that now. 20 doubles, 11 home runs. Uh, Alex found a set like that's There's not many guys that are that age with that type of stat line. So really encouraging stuff there as he continues to progress through the season. I know it's a small sample, but Eric Pena has a 760 OPS in the month of August. He's hitting 250. Like that, that is about 200 points higher than his highest month to this point. It's a very small sample. But maybe he's starting to figure something out. I, I don't know if he is, but if you need any indication too, through 10 games, he's walked seven times. He walked seven times in the entire month of July. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Is that a real stat or made up? Because no, I that's believe a real either stat. one of He them. walked seven times in the month of August. And, or in the month of July, and he wa- has walked seven times already that's in the month of crazy August. town. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's really encouraging to see, and hopefully he's able to end the year uh, on somewhat of a high note, even though the overall numbers aren't going to look great. Lewinder Avila went seven shut on Tuesday. Uh, really nice to see, and you're going to hear him in our top 50 here in just a little bit. And then Frank, uh, Ben Kaderna, Shane Panzini, they were fine, I guess. Like nothing real, you know, nothing real – crazy to look at nothing real eye-popping but they were they were solid nothing nothing too much complaint about i do want to bring up one more guy here though ben sears who was the 14th round pick of the royals out of houston went two shutout endings in relief with three strikeouts no walks uh very similar to the kind of stuff he was doing at houston strikes out a lot of batters and doesn't walk anybody so that's encouraging to see there as well and to be able to get a one-run win today really nice for the young young pups down there yeah, I was um, looking at Eric Pena the other day, his stat line, just kind of scrolling through his fan graphs page, looking for for silver linings. Did I see, is his his walk rate is like close to 12% on the year, right? Yeah. It, it, he's got yeah. a 385 on base on, or uh, sorry, what are we looking at here? Uh, it's showing 259 on base, but the overall numbers look horrific. But he has a 385 on base this month. Yeah, I think his his walk rate for the year has really started to come around. Like it's it's actually in, in in a huge chunk, his walk rate has really improved. And I think when you're talking about making adjustments and whatever, he has clearly changed his approach. So now it's a matter of making more contact with the baseball and continuing to choose the right pitches to swing at. But he has clearly changed something because early on he was not walking at all and striking out all the time. And then his strikeout rate came down like 10% and his walk rate went up almost 10%. So we've really hit a nice median here where it's like, okay, there's clearly been change of, of some kind. Now, how much further can we go? Because we talk all the time. And, and like you said, Joel, he'll be on our list here in a minute. But he, the tools are off the charts. There's and he's not, still just 19 years old. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's not three or four guys in the system with a higher ceiling. I mean, oh, yeah. if Eric Pena clicked, if he did everything he's capable of doing, he's an all-star. But mm-hmm. it's a matter of, of of finding a rhythm, getting into some kind of a groove. And he's, I mean, God, golly, he struggled this year. So it's good to see some silver linings to build on that we can point at and go, here's tangible evidence of change that can give us promise for tomorrow. So like you said, it's it's good to see. The Quad Cities River Bandits also went four and two this week. They started off their week with a win uh, on the Field of Dreams there in, is it Drysdale? Uh, Dyersville. Dyersville, Iowa. Dyersville, Iowa. The They played on MLB Network. Chandler Champlain. Uh, round Ooh. of applause, standing mm-hmm. ovation while I'm sitting yep. down. He was outstanding. He was pitching angry on Tuesday on the Field of Dreams. Seven strikeouts, I believe, and six innings pitched, something that like that. right. He was unbelievable. And I remember – I was watching him pitch thinking, okay, something about this is very different than what Chandler Champlain has been pitching like. Um, like, And I tweeted it. I was like, somebody tell him that all of his starts are on national TV because it really felt like he, his energy was up a notch. And then I watched part of his start again today, and it was just kind of back to being like trying to be under control. No, no sir. Go back. Watch the tape of yourself pitching on Tuesday. Chandler, if, if, if you, somebody that knows Chandler is listening to this, Go back and watch the tape from Tuesday night. Pitch like that all the time. Pitch angry. Pitch like you're trying to throw the ball through the catcher's face. 
because mm. that Chandler Champlain was electric. He was so much fun to watch on the big TV. I get I got to watch him on the big TV in HD the other night. That was yeah, outstanding. Boy. He did not look quite as good on Sunday, but that started on Tuesday. I think where did we have him? Uh, we're going to read about all this here in a minute. We had him forty six on our top fifty. Yeah mostly because he's a relatively unproven probable bullpen arm. I watched that start on Tuesday. I went, okay, there's a top 30 prospect in there. Now, the start again today on Sunday is kind of why we had him at 46, right? But there's there's some juice left in that tank that I was really excited to see on um, on Tuesday night. Also down in Quad Cities, Tyler Tolbert, 48 stolen bases. He has not been caught yet. Since at least 2006, uh, that's, that's how far Fangraph's minor league stats go back, is 2006, there has not been a single minor league baseball player to steal 40 bags in a season without being caught. Tyler Tolbert is going for 60. Tyler Tolbert is probably <laughs> going to steal 60 bags this year. The only, real re- the only real question is, will he get caught in that amount of time? So Tyler Tolbert, round of applause. He's been outstanding. Uh, Jack Alexander undrafted free agent. I think he's a Kansas city kid, um, but he went down to Austin PA. Maybe he's not a Kansas city kid. Maybe I got that mixed up, but I could anyway, find that for you. Jack Alexander, undrafted free agent, Austin PA down in Texas. He gets promoted to high a hit a walk-off home run today for quad cities to give them the series. win. quad cities wins four games out of the six against Cedar Rapids, Cedar Rapids, by the way, uh, fantastic team this year. They've been really good. They've had um, – I was trying to think of the – they had one of baseball's best prospects earlier this year. I can't remember who that was now that I'm thinking about it. But Cedar Rapids has been very good. Quad Cities takes a series from them on on the back of what has been really a, a, a total team effort all around down there for the River Bandits. So the River Bandits, 4-2 and two this week. Chandler Champlain, Tyler Tolbert, and Jack Alexander, a couple guys that really stood out. Very nice. Yeah. Let's do that. Let's go to the Northwest Arkansas Naturals, where if the Quad City played on the Field of Dreams, you could say the Naturals played on a Field of Nightmares against the Arkansas Travelers this week. You went one and five against the Arkansas Travelers. Joel, your boys, the Seattle Mariners farm system really gave them hell this week. Uh, so shut up. I hate you. Um, but <laughs> on the pitching side, Dante Biasi started probably had the best start of the week. And I'm going to read this stat line, and it'll tell you how how the week went. It was four innings pitched with two hits, two earned, three walks, one hit batter, and four Ks. Uh, that was the best start of the week for the boys. Um, the interesting names that we could probably talk about, Ace Lacey had a roller coaster week, and it kind of shows you how volatile his, his appearances are from, from time to time. Wednesday, one innings pitch, no earned, no hits, no walks, three Ks, just shoving – people back to the dugout and then friday showed up uh one out one earned run no hits two walks two hit batters and a k um so uh i, I kind of dug it out since he moved to the bullpen he has faced 46 batters two hits out of those 46 batters he's also given up 11 earned runs so you know what that means 14 walks five hit batters four wild pitches there it is. I think I think I saw he had 26 recorded outs in those 46 batters. So 
he's not giving up hits because he's mostly not hitting the strike zone, which has been the case for Asa Lacey this year outside of the injury as well. So speaking of injury, Jonathan Bolin made a Wednesday start, four innings pitched, three earned, three hits, two hit batters. Again, what happened? Why are we hitting all these batters in Northwest Arkansas? Is Joel, you're the farms, you're the you're the Seattle guy here. Are they just crowding the plate there in double A? What's, what's I don't going know. on? All, all I know is Ace Lacey needs to breathe through his eyelids like the lava lizards of the Galapagos Islands, <laughs> and maybe uh maybe that might solve some things. Get some extra breath in those lungs. I like it. Uh I, I would say that that Bolden line was probably better than the actual start. He didn't look very good at all. Um, wasn't super impressed with him, even relatively for what he's done this year. Uh, and then lastly for the uh the pitcher, Zach Hockey. Great night tonight. Uh showed out. Uh let me see if I pulled up. I got his line. Three scoreless six Ks. Yeah, that's right. Three scoreless six Ks and a relief appearance coming off of uh TJ Sikama. Uh, mm-hmm. not a great start for him, but um, a great appearance by Zach Hockey. Let's go to the batting side. My boy, Tyler Gentry, showing up. Seven for 18 with two ding-dongs with three ribbies, two stolen bases, and a three to three to four K to, or a bar, walk to K ratios, carrying 1198 OPS. So uh, currently in double A, since he was uh, promoted double A, slashing 325, 419, and a 592 in 503 plate appearances. So, He's actually striking out less than he was in high A. Um, I, I had the preseason take that maybe he'd make it into the top 15. Maybe he went a little higher. Maybe. You nailed that. I need that. to go back. You, and, you absolutely nailed that. Yeah. And I and he is, judging by our rankings, I kind of looked and peeked behind the curtain. I was actually the lowest guy on Gentry in our rankings. Were you really? Yeah. Yeah. I had him at nine in mine. And uh, I was lowest. <laughs> So there, yeah, you take were. that for what it was. <laughs> I think I, yeah, I think I said top 15. I think he's going to, he's definitely going to be higher. And uh, he's certainly, he's certainly turning some heads. And speaking of turning some heads, since coming to the Royals organization, CJ Alexander has been uh, absolutely hitting the crap out of the ball. Um, this week, three home runs, seven ribbies, struck out 10 times, but still carried a 987 OPS. That's the 26 year old. Uh, infielder, I think they've mostly been playing him at third and first base, if I if I'm not mistaken. Uh, 26 year old. I wanted to kind of throw it to you guys. Somebody asked me this in my rankings article. Where where we have CJ Alexander in those in those rankings? I had him at least in the top 75. But if he keeps doing this, I mean, there's no reason why he wouldn't be in the top 50. Yeah, he's not in our top 50 right now. He was honorable mention, and and, yeah. and part of it too is because he's 26 year old at Double A. With yep. horrific strikeout to walk, still ratio. striking out a ton. Like yep. at some point, not everybody can Joey Gallo their way to the big leagues, right? <laughs> and, and there's just not a lot of examples of 26. And that's why Logan Porter didn't make the top 50. He's yep. also on our honorable mention. There's just no examples of a 27 year old or a 26 year old at Double A going on to have big league success. They're they're mm. they're literally they just don't exist really in any capacity. So it's kind of a question of how good would you have to be like for a hitter? We generally know pretty good idea ahead of time before you're too terribly old, what you're going to be. It's just, it's really hard to overcome the odds. Mm. So for Alexander, if he wants to keep hitting for this much power, could he crack 45 to 50 in a weak system? Yeah. But Mm. I think it speaks more to the strength of the system overall that Alexander and Porter couldn't crack the top 50 than it does a knock on them. 
the Porter, the Porter cop there though is Porter doesn't really strike out. I mean, he does have a yeah. okay. I mean, he does. It is there. It is present in his game. Who doesn't? But it is just very strange why he's. It's taken him so long to progress through the system out there at AAA doing things. Still, I'll let you maybe speak to that, Alex, with the Omaha roundup. But he's still doing it, man. Uh-huh. Speaking of the Omaha roundup, let's start with Logan Porter because Logan Porter. I tweeted it, it was like Logan Porter is definitely going to go to Omaha, hit three fifty, and make me question everything I thought I knew about minor league <laughs> baseball. Yeah, he is doing it. He hit a ball off the scoreboard the other night. Absolutely I was like, why wouldn't he? Why yeah. wouldn't he hit a game tying home run in the ninth inning? And you know what's three, funny? Three it's run, like, right? Yeah, he tied it up in the ninth. It was yeah. Um, and the funny thing about it is like Michael Garcia's hit the ball well, but Nick Lofton and Michael Garcia, neither of them had had a four strikeout game this season up to this point. And I didn't even look, I doubt Nick Lofton's had a four strikeout game in his career so far mm. to this point. He struck out four times in Omaha the other night. Michael yeah. Garcia had his first four strikeout game at Omaha the other night. And Logan Porter comes up and just starts mashing. He's like top <laughs> prospects who watch this. So Man, I don't know. I don't know what to think because at some point, like his numbers are just objectively better than what Frank Schwindel's were. And Frank Schwindel had yeah. a good good run in the big leagues for a year. And yeah. I think the, the issue is you look at it and while he's got some raw power, he doesn't get to it very often. So is he selling his power for a better for better plate discipline and better bat to ball skills? I don't know. But this this is the really hard thing. And I had people we got all three of us, the the site, we got crushed for not having Rudy Martin in our top 50 last year. People are like, how can Rudy Martin not be in the top 50? Look what he's doing. It's like, you just got to trust us sometimes yeah. in that the, the, what you're seeing on paper and, and what's what you're seeing online. It's, it's, it's fairy dust. It's, it's magic. It doesn't exist. It's not real. Mm. It is no matter. Um, it's tough, though. It is really tough to look at a guy like Logan Porter, who has never done anything but hit. That's all he's ever done in minor league baseball yeah. is hit. Yeah. And he's a pretty good receiver. Like, I, I kind of like the I mean, way he works with pitchers. It's it's so weird. Like, career average, and this is 970 plate appearances, 293, 424, 503 for his minor league career. I mean, 424. Yeah. Like, he finds his way on base. Now – the issue is when you're bigger, slower guy, being on base doesn't mean as much if you're not also hitting for power because you're kind of a log jam on the bases. Yeah. But again, it's like, I don't know. I mean, obviously the max exit velos aren't there or we'd see more home runs, mm-hmm. but he's got some juice. Like he's got doubles power. Like, mm-hmm. could you sell me? If you, if you told me if I woke up from a coma and it was 2025 and you're like, man, Alex, Logan Porter is having like a peak Billy Butler season. Okay. I, I, I wouldn't have a really hard time believing that. Like mm-hmm. I wouldn't, it wouldn't really be hard to believe. He's just done nothing but hit, yep. but it's so hard to put stock in a 27 year old who just got to triple a. So I don't know, man, it's tough, but he, I mean, gone to Omaha speaking of Omaha and, and continues to rake Jackson Kowar had a start. Was it Tuesday where he went four almost perfect innings, eight strikeouts? That yep. was this week, right? So yeah. Jackson Kowar was unbelievable on Tuesday. The only blemish was an error that the infielder made. So 
in some ways, Jackson Kowar was perfect, but technically he was not perfect. Um, today he was less good. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know what to tell you there. I, I think there is something to be said and, and I, and I wanted to expand on this. So we'll, we'll finish the minor league minute with this. Drew waters is regressing to the mean. It is mm-hmm. all coming back pretty quickly. So he, he shows up and he shows why the Royals traded for him. Here's, here's what I can be. Now the struggles are back. How do you take the next step to be more consistent, to be more available? And I know fans were clamoring, get him to the big leagues. And I was like, please stop saying that. Like, let him have some success in Omaha. And now we're seeing why, right? The, the strikeouts are back. He had a five strikeout night the other night. Struck out a couple times again today. And it's okay. I'm not, we've got Drew Waters way up on our list. He mm-hmm. ain't going to be outside the top five. I'll just, we'll go there right now. He is going to be in our top five. Let him stay down there. Let him figure it out. So that's the minor league minute brought to you guys by Drum Farm. Really quick, before we get into what we want to do with the rankings later, let's have a quick conversation about the pitchers because I keep bringing up the 2019 thing with the hitters, but I want to make sure I'm clear about why I'm com- making this comparison. Asa Lacy, first round pick. Alec Marsh, second round pick. Nick Prado, MJ Melendez, also first, second round picks. They have pit, uh, Jackson Coar, first round pick. Anthony Veneciano, six foot five lefty that hit 100 miles an hour last year. Like, Will Klein, high round pick. So they've got guys in the minors who are valuable assets coming out that are now struggling mightily. And it's not from a lack of talent. It might be a lack of specific skills and specific things they need to tweak and work on and be better at. But the talent is there. The raw talent is obvious. Alec Marsh throws four legitimate pitches. Anthony Veneciano is funky. He's not funky. He's funky. Like with a with like a hard L. Funky. Chapel O. Yeah. I mean, there are some. There's some really good stuff on the farm. How do we put it together to make it more efficient to get better results that can feed big league pitchers? I don't necessarily know the answer. I've watched Alec Marsh with Asa Lacey. He has two distinct deliveries right now. He throws mm-hmm. his fastballs on top, and he gets outside of his breaking balls a little bit to create a sweeping action on his breaking balls. It is clear as day. Maybe he doesn't care because, like you said, Josh, two hits and how many innings? 46 batters faced. 46 two batters innings? faced. Two hits, I mean? Yeah. Unbelievable. He's not getting hit, so maybe it doesn't matter. But it's creating some inconsistencies and it's making it hard for him to command the ball. That was kind of easy to identify. He's also got a thousand other things that could probably be fixed. With Alec Marsh, I look at it and I cannot find anything obvious as to why he's getting hit. It reminds me a little bit of Carlos Hernandez. Carlos Hernandez comes into the game the other day, dots 101 at the top of the zone on the inner half. Like it wasn't a bad pitch. Yeah. Max Muncy turned on that thing. Just turned on Literally yeah. was a more impressive swing then Gallo and Bellinger taking Nicky Lopez deep. <laughs> yeah. He turned on it. Wham. There that there goes one-on-one to the pole side. Good luck with that. That, that makes no sense. Yeah. I'm not saying Carlos Hernandez was tipping his pitches, but there is no way Max Muncie doesn't get that, gets that swing off if he doesn't know or is pretty sure a fastball is coming. So he's either totally disrespecting the breaking ball and saying, I'm going to take a fastball swing at whatever the hell you throw me, or Carlos Hernandez is tipping his pitches somehow. Hmm. No idea what the case is, but nobody on earth 
is physically capable. I'm, this isn't subjective. Human beings are not capable. They're not physically capable of reacting to a 101 mile an hour fastball that way. It's not it's possible. He took a fastball swing and a fastball count, got a fastball and hit it. He had to know in some capacity it was coming. So I don't know what's going on with the pitching. It may not be as big of a deal as we're making it. Maybe there's like one or two magical fixes that you click a button, you snap your fingers, and boom, these guys are there. But I don't want fans to get overly concerned about the pitching because it's it's an easy fix in my opinion. Not an easy fix. Let me backtrack. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Raise my eyebrows a little bit on that. It's not like the Royals drafted Nikki. That's not a good example. Who do they draft? Levi Usher. Let's go Levi Usher. 10th round pick, senior out of Louisville. It's not like we're trying to fix Levi Usher. We were trying to fix Nick Prado and MJ Melendez, two tremendously talented early draft picks. And they did. They fixed it. Mm-hmm. These pitchers we're talking about are high draft picks with crazy amounts of talent. I think it's fixable. I don't know how to fix them per se without having a whole bunch of crap in front of me. I couldn't tell you how, but I do think the talent is there. Joel, I'm going to go to you really quick. I've been talking for a while. Looking at the pitching, do you agree with me that the talent is there to fix it if the development gets in place? Yeah, I don't think the talent is in question at all. I mean, the fact that Ace Lacey can still go out there, walk the world, basically be the living embodiment of Nuke Lelouch and still get swings and misses and have some of the nastiest stuff in all minor league baseball. Yeah. Anthony Viziano is 6'5", crossfire, and we've seen him up to 100. Well, Klein throws 100. And even we've seen, like, at least flashes with the investment they made in Mazzucato, Kuderna, and Panzini. Like, they all have shown at least something that makes you go, there's a big leaguer in there, like, for all of these guys. So you have to be able to get to that talent. You know, the Royals drafted good players. I think the process in which they took all of these guys – the talent is there, but you have to be able to develop that talent too. Like you can't just, uh, there's obviously issues they have to work through because that's just baseball is a game of adjustments. And now the adjustment has to be made. There has to be a significant investment in the completely overhauling the development of pitchers this offseason because there's too much talent here to let go to waste. Josh, are you, are you in agreement that the talent is there? Absolutely. I mean, there, I mean, it is obvious being able to see Malik Marsh throw blow cheddar past people. You said he had multiple off speed and multiple breaking balls that he can work with on that. Lacey's the same direction as well. They got like absolute power flamethrowers in the bullpen that they could shove up and become nightmare status. Like I said, uh, Nate Webb also in that mix as well. So if they, it, it's just, it's, it's obviously easier said than done. And especially in the, the Marsh and the Lacey concept, because Marsh K's dudes, and he gets hit. He doesn't walk anybody. Lacey is the exact exact opposite. He only walks dudes, can't get anything over the plate. And relatively speaking, going from the major league spectator that I was to the, you know, pretty much farm-centric eye, you see so many more wild pitches in the minor leagues. So it's hard to, like, kind of calibrate what your eyes are seeing. But I will say – the Royals pitchers are missing their targets by a long ways a lot of the time. And that is potentially the most disturbing part of it. And that is also going for the stuff that was going on with the major league uh, bullpen and and, uh, rotation at the beginning of the year. They weren't throwing strikes either. And we saw that with Kowar. We saw that with Lynch. We saw that with Bubich, all these last, these debuts. So it's just, 
it's it's very uh, so tempting. It's just right there. You want it to work out, and all these dudes just start skyrocketing up national ranking boards. They start skyrocketing up our rankings, and it's just I just want it to work out. I said it this week that you know if nothing else happens this offseason, they go fix Asa Lacy to put all the eggs in that basket, and I'm a happy camper. Next year, you focus on Alec Marsh. <laughs> just, I, I just need a fix, and I, I hope you're right. I hope it's a somewhat relative easy fix. Here's why I'm still excited about it is we've seen the Royals make these adjustments before. We've seen the Royals take their young hitters who are struggling and turn them into top 100 prospects. They were at high A, by the way, and still had to go through double A, triple A to get to the big leagues three years later. A lot of the guys we're talking about are in double A and triple A already. Can mm-hmm. you imagine? Just by the way, let's just say the exact same thing that happened to Melendez and Prado happens to Lacey and Marsh. The exact same thing. Mm-hmm. The Royals. I won't say they will make the playoffs next year, but they will be in contention. If the same thing happened with Lacey and Marsh, they would be in contention 100%. Let's say you get 60% of what happened with Prado and Melendez. So we don't think Marsh and Lacey are going to be all-stars, but they're going to be solid contributors to a big league staff next year. The Royals will finish 500. Those two guys are dynamic. They change the game that you're building your rotation around. If you can get them right, you've got, a lot of the problems solved on your roster. It's yeah. just a matter of fixing them. Jackson Coar, add him into that mix. Yeah. So that's that's what gives me optimism as a Royals fan. Is I've seen the Royals make these changes before. We've seen them fix things before, and we've seen them go as far as is is making wholesale changes to make sure that their players are getting the best um, development they need. And then it worked so well that MJ Melendez and Nick Prado are now absolutely crushing baseballs mm. at the big league level. So with that one, being one said, more quick, yeah, oh, go ahead. sorry, go ahead. Oh, go I, I was just going to say, it's going to get into really interesting because Alec Marsh is rule five eligible this December. Sikama rule five eligible this December. Uh, Veneziano is also eligible for the rule five draft. This, this Noah Murdoch, another guy that we're kind of high on Drew Parrish. They're going to have to make some decisions on these guys. And you know that their other organizations chomping at the bit to go get Alec Marsh and try to fix him, to go get Veneziano and try to fix him. You know they're chomping at the bit. So it'll be really interesting to see how this roster, man, the 40-man roster shapes up. I, I wrote an article about that um, a while back, and I'll, I'll rerun it um, this week. I agree. It's going to be interesting. If they let Veneziano go, oh, God. I, just, I I fear for the for the blowback that they'll get. So yeah. I think Sikama, Marsh, and Veneciano are locks to be added. Yeah, I would what say they so. do with that from there, I don't know. But yeah. With that being said, let's get into our mid-season Royals prospect rankings. Josh, I'm going to read 50 through 31, and then we will we're going to throw to KCSC. So we'll come right back. But here is 50 through 31 on our midseason rankings. Number 50, Tyler Tolbert. 49, Jeffrey Del Rosario. 48, Rylan Kaufman. 47, Hayden Dunhurst. 46, Chandler Champlain. 45, Eric Torres. 44, Brennan McNair. 43, Suli Matias. 42, Hayden Pattison. Hunter Pattison, I'm sorry. Number 41, Christian Chamberlain. 
Number 40, Junior Marin. Number 39, River Town. 38, Eric Pena. Number 37, Shane Panzini. Number 36, John Rave. 35, Jonathan Bernal. Number 34, Daniel Vasquez. Number 33, Daryl Collins. Number 32, Austin Charles. And number 31, Ben Hernandez. Okay, really quick, we are going to throw to KCSC, our sponsor for the show. As always, thank you, Kansas City Strength and Conditioning, for the show. We'll be right back. From the beginning, we knew right away that we wanted to do strength conditioning and a throwing program for the baseball and softball community. It wasn't something we were trying to back into or all of a sudden learn. We knew we were really good at these coaching these skills from the get-go. And the fact that we're in the same business and the employees are all on the same page, you know, we can write a program based off of what a kid needs, not just getting him stronger or faster from a general sense. It's what does this kid need? On the pitching end, we can say, hey, this kid needs such and such. He needs to do this or that better. A lot of times it turns out it's not something that needs to be fixed in the baseball cage or on the throwing mound. It actually needs to be fixed in the weight room. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. Once again, thank you to Kansas City Strength and Conditioning. Uh, out at Homefield Nolatha for sponsoring the show this year. Josh, we are now going to read our prospects for the midseason rankings, number 30 through 6. So at the time of reading this, uh, 10 through 6 isn't even out yet. We will release them before this podcast airs, so it should be, by the time you're listening to this, number 6 should be out. But here are prospects on our midseason rankings, number 30 through 6. Number 30, Tucker Bradley. 29, Samad Taylor. 28, David Sandlin. 27, Nate Webb. 26, Noah Cameron. 25, Brewer Hicklin. 24, Drew Parrish. 23, Will Klein. 22, Anthony Veneciano. 21, Andrew Hoffman. Number 20, TJ Sykema. Number 19, Max Castillo. Number 18, Luca Tresh. Number 17, Peyton Wilson. 16, Beck Way. Number 15, Diego Hernandez. Number 14, Nate Eaton. Number 13, Carter Jensen. Number 12, Frank Mazzucato. Number 11, Asa Lacey. Number 10, Ben Caderna. Number 9, Alec Marsh. Number 8, Angel Zerpa. Number 7, Caden Wallace. And number 6, Jonathan Bolin. What I want to talk about now, Josh, now that we've read 50 through number 6, how do you feel like the farm system stacks up 
nationally and against the league. And how do you feel the overall health of the farm system looks now that most of our top prospects have graduated to the big leagues? Obviously, there's quite a uh, quite a downfall from where we started this year, and that's gonna happen when you have six rookies in any given lineup that you have on that big league club. It's gonna happen. I I, I understand the vitriol and the anger that might happen uh, among fans to not see their farm system ranking in the top ten, top fifteen, top twenty. I. I understand it, but it, you also have to take it with the part where they're also just absolutely stacked with rookies in that major league club, which is what you want to see. I mean, you want to be able to see the the farm systems crop come up and contribute on a major league level in a good way. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing the dream realize that we've kind of been trying to uh, trying to warn fans about and tell them about uh, the last few years. And it's really cool to see the overall strength and this, uh, I guess the health of the system I've been kind of been saying this to me. It seems like there's a lot of potential. There is a lot of risk guys that if they pop, they're going to become top 100 guys. They're going to be the ones that are filling the holes in the few coming seasons, but they've got work to do. Uh, we've talked to plenty at length about Lacey. We talked about Marsh, talked to Veneziano. There's other dudes in the system that could be huge, huge contributors to the major league level. Tyler Gentry, uh, Michael Garcia. I mean, all these dudes are, are potential contributors, but there's just lacking in that top top end talent at the moment. Um, and they're, they're, those dudes could still be in the system. So they just got to be able to grow some of these plants that they've, they've, they've put in the ground and do something and fix some of these flaws and get these pitchers to throw strikes and get these, uh, these hitters to make good contact, make line drive hits and stuff like that. So it, it, overall it could be a lot better. It seems like there's a lot of risk, but in the end, um, there it is a deep system still. I think that is still a thing, but just to what extent on a major league level of contribution uh, wise, it's going to be tough to see. When I look at the list, there are two guys, and I haven't updated my personal top 100 in a while. So <clears throat> I, I'm, but I'm pretty confident looking at other like big lists that this is about where guys would slot in. I would have Gavin Cross, and this might be by the way. I'll, I'll release my personal list at some point. So this doesn't necessarily reflect the organization's list that we're going to release, but this is personally how I look at it. I think Gavin Cross is somewhere between a 50 and a 75 top prospect in baseball. Mm -hmm. I think Nick Lofton fits in the back 20, somewhere between 80 and 100, probably between 80 and 95 based on the looks that I've seen. Mm. So in my opinion, you have two guys who are legitimate top 100 prospects. I don't know if Drew Waters is ever able to get back on. Strikes out too much, doesn't hit yeah. for an insane amount of power. He's a very good role player. I, I think he's fine. I just don't know that he ever gets back on. Hmm. I think Tyler Gentry is probably too old. I think Michael Garcia is just doesn't hit for enough power. Yeah. I think John Bolin is a little too old. I think Caden Wallace is 100% capable of being a top 100 prospect. Alec Marsh, again, Probably too old, but I think talent-wise, very much capable. Ben Kaderna, I think, is capable. Frank Mazzucato, Carter Jensen, very capable. So you have five guys in your system. Uh, Eric Pena, Jr. Marin. Yeah, I was going to say. A little bit. So yeah. you've got guys in the system who really probably aren't that far away. Um, 
Cross and Lofton, in my opinion, should be now. But if you look down the list at like Kaderna, Mazzucato, Jensen, you've got a strong core. Oh, and Caden Wallace, by the way. Yeah. They're almost all of them in Columbia, except for Nick Lofton, who's in Omaha. That uh, The rest of that group is all in Columbia. And now you've got six years to get them to the big leagues. That's when this current wave would push out. So if mm-hmm. I'm looking at the Royals farm system right now, without, again, without doing too much of a, of a crazy deep dive, like you said, I'd probably have them somewhere between number 19 and number 23. They are certainly not a bottom five system. There's too much depth for that. In yeah. fact, when we were ranking guys, I'm like, man, Daryl Collins and Austin Charles didn't make our top 30. Like, yeah. these are two pretty good prospects to have in your system. Austin Charles was a borderline top 100 draft prospect this year. Mm-hmm. I had him in my top top 100 aggregate, yep. Yeah, but I also think when you look at the top of the system, right now there isn't that clear number one, which is ironic because almost everybody in the system ranked the same guy number one. <laughs> but I don't think it's actually a consensus. I think there's actually a lot of debate about who's number one and really all the way down to like number five you could like intermingle and intertwine depending on yeah. who you prefer, who you like. So I that got, that got even muddier. If you were including guys like Nick Prado, like Mike oh, yeah. Massey, like those guys that you purposely pulled out just because you mm-hmm. thought they were, they had graduated, they weren't coming back. Uh, so yeah, it, it would have been even murkier if, if those dudes were still considered and they are like baseball America, they're still, they're still mm-hmm. considered a, a prospect eligible, but yeah, it just gets a little murkier and that's a good thing. It is a good thing. And that's also why I want to talk about really quick on Hell Zerpa and Nate Eaton's roles mm-hmm. in our rankings is everybody would have had Prado and Massey top three. I don't think it does any good to remind folks that they are still prospect eligible. But with Eaton and Zerpa, Zerpa's hurt. Eaton is number 14 on our list. I just wanted to give fans a look behind the whip curtain at the thought process. Where does Eaton fit in organizationally? Where does Angel Zerpa fit in organizationally? So that's why some big league players made it, some didn't. Is just looking at it through um, a lens of organizational depth. Where do they fit in? How do they rank? Because Prado and Massey, you guys don't need us to tell you more about Prado and Massey. It's <laughs> the guys who are a little more controversial, guys who are a little more discussion-worthy that we wanted to keep in there. Really quick, Josh, let's do, let's do a little exercise. I mm. want you to pick three players – who did not make our top 30 this time, but that will be on our top 30 next midseason. Okay. Um, I got a little bit, I got three dudes, um, and they're kind of a little bit different arguments for each one of them. First one, Brendan McNair, you had him on the show last year, or last week, I'm sorry. Great conversation with him. Uh, Love that episode. So if you haven't checked it out, uh, bump it, and it's really, really good. Uh, I think his ceiling is definitely there. His floor is also very low. Uh, last year, he had 981 OPS in the complex league, currently pre- regressing at the 814, but he was a shortstop, drafted as a shortstop, and has now moved over to third base. And everybody who's listening to the show has heard me harping about some kind of roster cornerstone third baseman. Maybe that's Brendan McNair. He's got the glove of a potential, like a, a past shortstop. And now he's kind of looking more like a power hitting profile hitter. So if they can turn him and get him to reach his ceiling, I'm very much in on McNair. I think he could start getting big time helium on, on our list for sure. And 
the opposite of that is a high floor and that's river town in my 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 humble opinion um i didn't really think much of him other than his awesome name from the draft last year great name uh went to columbia this year 137 wrc plus 18 stolen bases 12 home runs projecting for a 15 and 20 season if he stayed there but he was prone to quad, or quad cities kind of hovering around uh, average at the moment but i think he's just got an all-around tool set um that kind of you know raises his floor quite a bit his ceiling is definitely more capped but i do think that is is a potential all-around skill set will be uh major league productive potentially if he gets that call and then the wild card here eric torres you wrote him up in the uh in the rankings so far 17 year old 510 160 he was international signing last year for five hundred thousand dollars in the 21 uh, international signing those plays center field i think he was also much around uh left field a little bit this year as well in the dominican league uh, so far, slashing 272, 378, 374, 14 bags stolen. So it doesn't seem like he's going to hit for a lot of power, but does have decent speed, good bat to ball, great on base. Uh, scouts last year were kind of saying he's built like Raul Mondesi Sr. And that got my uh, – that's not like a weird – it's not just like saying, well, he's Ted Williams if he was also Mike Trout. Like that's not, I mean, that's a little realistic approach. And I, I kind of listen to those scouts a little bit more. If we're getting potentially Raul Mondesi senior, I'm in on that. So those are the three dudes that we could be talking about uh, this time next year, hopping into that top 30 with a little bit of helium and, and really being able to uh, consider them as part of the future plans, in my opinion. I cheated a little bit for my first one. And I went with our 32nd ranked prospect in Austin Charles. Mm-hmm. Again, it's low-hanging fruit, but Austin Charles, I went back. I was able to find a couple of videos of him pitching. Holy smokes. Yeah. Like, I don't know that it's ever going to work out for him hitting at the professional level, but the dude can chuck it. Holy cow. And it's like a beautiful over-the-top delivery with great extension. I'm all in on Austin Charles on the mound. I think, assuming we get to see him. Now, the problem with this is, if they hide him in the air, zone illegal all year next year, then it's going to be hard for us to make that bump. But I think Austin Charles has a great chance to go from 32 to like 15, maybe if we get to see yeah. him in Columbia at any capacity. Uh, my second one, number our 41st ranked prospect, Christian Chamberlain. Christian Chamberlain is filthy. You mm-hmm. get him with the right development team, help him throw a little few more strikes. Dominant left-handed reliever in the mold of like a Tim Collins where he came up and just started shoving. Uh, Greg Holland, a little bit undersized, but the stuff was so overwhelming that it was it was closer stuff, right? So Christian Chamberlain, I think, even though he's a reliever, I think Christian Chamberlain is capable of being a top 30 prospect in the system. And then I'm going to go back to my guy, Chandler Champlain. Chandler Champlain, we had number 46. If he throws angry more often, I'd put him in my top 20 today. He was filthy on Tuesday night. The Royals don't have 10 pitchers in their system capable of doing that all the time. That was unbelievable. Got to see it more often. So I went with three guys whose last name all start with CH. (laughs) Austin Charles, Christian Chamberlain, Chandler Champlain. Uh, I even get an extra CH on Chandler there. So Uh Christian, five of them. And you got Christian. Three people and got five CHs out of that. That's wonderful. So Mm -hmm. good on me. Last last comment on on the rankings, Joshua. Uh, one player not in the top twenty who will be next midseason. So we're going to go a little bit higher ceiling here, <laughs> outside the top twenty, in the top twenty. The absolute low hanging fruit, and I am not above it, is Eric Pena, and it's for all the reasons you guys already kind of went through. 
19 years old, kind of maybe hitting his stride. You guys gave Joe gave the the sample size of August. I pulled out a sample size between the All Star break and now, um, 120 WRC plus with a 222, 364, and a 426 slash line. Not really hitting for power, but he's getting gaps. Um, so I'm into that. His walk rate is up five and a half percent. His K rate is down five and a half percent from his season paces. Might be figuring something else. Still just 19. Baseball Reference has his age difference. Uh, relative to low A at still uh, two years younger than everybody else in that league. So he's still got time to figure it out. He's got the tools that you would want that would absolutely skyrocket if he was even remotely doing – I mean, 120 WRC plus, if he's doing that, he's like perking some ears up and he's starting to you know blip on some radars. And if he even takes a step further than that, then you start talking about top 100. You start bringing him back into the fold of – future plans for the organization like he was prior to uh, falling on his face since professional ball started. So Eric Pena is absolutely my answer. And I think he's the answer in that question. My answer, uh, our 40th ranked prospect, junior Marin, junior mm-hmm. Marin had the best season by a Royals prospect in the DSL in a long time last year. He is 18 years old. He's come to the States hitting in Arizona really, really well. He's hitting above 300 in Arizona. He's been outstanding. And when you watch his swing, bad intentions. That man wants <laughs> to punish baseballs. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm waiting for Junior Marin to get his shot in Columbia because when he goes to A-ball, if he hits like this as a 19-year-old in Columbia next year, yep. we're talking about a top 10 prospect in the system. He yep. mashes baseball. So Junior Marin, obviously – any 18-year-old in Arizona, the volatility is just through the roof. Yeah. But the ceiling on this kid is sky high. Again, one of the best seasons by a Royals prospect ever in the DSL. Came to the States this year and is still hitting. So really excited to see what he could do in Columbia next spring. I, I want to piggyback off that real quick. 6'2", 240 yeah. as an 18-year-old. He's that huge. dude, that's like Solaire. Yeah. Like stole Solaire's physique and he's hitting – uh, line drives at a 29.8% clip. Yeah. I mean, that is, you can take that size with that line drive rate and it is absolute nutso as far as ceiling goes. So give me Junior Marin. I'm into it. Cannot wait to see him in Columbia next year. Mm-hmm. Really quick, uh, the season's winding down, but if you're looking to take your crew out to the K this summer, be sure to check out our friends at ticketsforless.com. They have the best selection of tickets to all your favorite sporting events, concerts, and shows, including the Kansas City Royals. Tickets for less never changes per ticket fees, serving you big time or saving you big time over the other sites out there. You can save even more when you use our exclusive partner code at checkout. Simply enter code KCSN22 when ordering your seats at ticketsforless.com. That's code again is KCSN22 at ticketsforless.com. So, one thing really quick, I wanted to. Um, mentioned in all this is that our rankings i know we just blitzed through them on the podcast you can always find our rankings at royalsfarmreport.com head over royalsfarmreport.com so right now we're down to number six five through one will be out on wednesday morning you can also find josh's personal list that he released and so again our rankings are an aggregate this time it ended up being five guys voting on our personal top 50 lists and then we we aggregate them and and put them up on a board and there's some twitching that goes in. I'm not going to act like I 
look at the list and go, okay, that's the one. But it's yeah. for the most part, it's really close. It's really, really close, especially like I don't mess with, I don't take a guy from 35 and put him 20. It's more like, well, maybe six and five should be flipped. And I don't know. I get to do that because I'm the editor, I guess. Mm -hmm. But go over, find Josh's list, find our aggregate list. I'm going to release my personal list on Tuesday morning. So you'll be able to see all this as we go. And then Wednesday, you'll find out who we have number one. Uh, that's all I got baseball-wise tonight. Josh, you got any final thoughts for the evening? Uh, I'm old, um, and it just keeps getting thrown in my face. The older I get, uh, my son turned two. We had a birthday party at the house for him, and I'm just sore. Like, my body is sore from it. I wasn't, like, wasn't, like lifting weights or anything. I was just at a party, and I am sore as hell. I don't know. I don't know when that happened. I keep thinking that I, I could go out and do like media soccer games. And then I go to a, my kid's birthday party and I'm sore for two days afterwards. So that's clearly out of the picture. I don't, I mean, you'll get there. It'll, it'll, it'll catch you. You ever seen the movie Secondhand Lions? Yes. I was watching that movie Michael last night. Do what? Michael Kine. Is Michael Kane oh, in a Michael Kane? Never mind. It's all in no, secondhand. I, I just, yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Robert Duvall's character in that movie gets out and like fights the water with a plunger at while yeah. he's sleepwalking. And he's like, Oh, I'm so sore when I wake up. I got a new mattress. Maybe oh, you're man. fighting the water with a plunger when you sleep. I was really wet this morning. I thought that was just never mind. Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe I'm fighting water. That would that'd make me feel a lot better about it, just getting old in general. I'm gonna pretend you didn't just say that. Um <laughs> My final thought on the night is we are doomed as a society. I am I have oh, no. given up on society making it another 300 years. It's not going to happen. Not in this capacity. I was at Best Buy over the weekend. My sister ordered something at Best Buy. She was out of town. She said, can you run and get it for me? Absolutely. I'll go get it. Go out there. And the guy, it was like four little boxes, but it was just about as big as my hand. And I want to walk back to the car with boxes in my hand. So... I asked the guy behind the counter, I was like, can I have a bag? He goes, it'll be 10 cents. What? He goes, it's 10 cents for a bag. I was like, why? He goes, because we don't want people to use plastic. Then why in the duck do you have them in the first place? Why do you have them if you don't want people to use them? It makes no sense. I am so tired of these big billionaires putting on like their green hats and patting themselves on the back while they virtue signal to the rest of us about how green they are. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up, Best Buy. You're not green by making people pay for plastic bags. If you really gave a shit about anything other than yourself, you wouldn't be out here making plastic bags and other things aren't good for the environment. Nobody is judging you. It's okay. You don't mm. have to be the greenest company on earth. It is super convenient to go in there find what I need, and then I'll walk out with it if I need to. Charging mm -hmm. people for bags to dissuade them from the product that you're using makes mm -hmm. absolutely no sense. And by the way, Best Buy, let's just pretend the markup on a $15 little thing, so it's probably 60 bucks total, the markup on an item you're selling me for $15 is mm. $10. You're making $10 off of me? Give me the bag for free. Mm -hmm. Or... Don't use them. But, I mean, it worked. I left it there without a bag. But, yep. oh, my 
goodness gracious, the, the reasoning for it, I don't care. You could charge 25 cents for a bag. And if your reasoning was, cause we freaking want to, mm-hmm. okay, you win, but oh, we're, we don't want people to use plastic cause it's not good for the environment. Shut up. Screw you. That makes no sense. Society is so screwed because not only are they selling that, somebody's buying it. Somebody mm-hmm. somewhere is believing them. And oh my God, it just, it burns my soul listening to that nonsense. Kind of on, kind of on Best Buy site here. Do you remember that game, Roller Coaster Tycoon? Yes, I love that game. I used to charge my patrons to use my bathroom, and it made oh. a lot of money. <laughs> so I'm kind of on their side, kind of on their side on this one. I, but, like I said, I don't. If 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 their reasoning was we like money and you're yeah. gonna pay it, like man, you're right. Like I. I, I do it at Chipotle. You charge extra for guac. I'm going to pay it. Yep. It's delicious. But mm-hmm. don't feed me a line of BS about it being good for the environment. It's, screw you. That's not just, what it's about. Think of all the seals and turtles you just saved by, by carrying your stuff bags. Out. Think don't about make it. make them. They bought them first. <laughs> They've already got them. Stop. It's, it's, it's not about, oh, my God. Best Buy is killing the turtles. I'm just trying to carry my stuff out of here. You're they're the ones making the plastic bags and buying them in mass. If you mm-hmm. don't, if you want to save the environment, shut up, put your bags where your mouth are, and oh, march the CEO of Best Buy down here. I want to fight him. <laughs> I would, I would fist fight that guy. Put your bags where your mouth are. <laughs> we need to have that consideration for the title of the episode, Royals Farm Report. Fight Put your bags back. where your mouths are. Put your bags where your mouths are. <laughs> oh, really quick. Um, head on down to Charlie Hustle. They got us mm-hmm. swagged up for the for the podcast this year. My mm-hmm. Buck O'Neill shirt. I don't know if anybody saw my Buck O'Neill story on Twitter the other day. Yeah, uh, dude. My grandma, bless her heart. She. We were at a game. It was like 2013. They were doing the Buck O'Neill Legacy seat. And if I got my years off, forgive me. It was right around when they right before. They got really good, and they were doing the Buck O'Neill legacy seat. And she goes, "Why is that? What, what's the Buck O'Neill deal?" I was like, "Well, it's you know the legacy seat." And I kind of explained it to her. She goes, "He's that famous?" I was like, "Grandpa, <laughs> come on!" Like I know you're not a huge baseball fan. She goes, "I know him." I was like, "What?" She goes, "He's a friend of mine." Was a friend of mine. What, Grandma? How did? Okay, tell the story. And then yeah. she did. I was like, "Oh, Grandma." You knew Buck O'Neill? She goes, well, okay. It seems like Buck probably had tons of friends. I don't think he ever met a stranger, sounds like. What awesome. I mean, I was was listening to Bob Kendrick, and I, oh, that dude. Yeah. It is my favorite game of the year, every year. Yes. Outstanding. It's so cool. It's so cool. So, anyway, if you guys go to thanksamillionbuck, thanksamillionbuck.com, if you just go to the Negro Leagues website, I'm sure you can find it on there. They're trying to get a million people to donate a dollar. And in total, that would be a million dollars for specifically. Now I can't remember what they want it for. It's not just the museum. They have like a, a thing there. They're doing whatever it is. Thanks a million buck.com. Go donate a dollar for the, for the museum. So anyway, Josh, thank you, sir. Thank you. We have probably a should week, everyone. We lost Joel to a migraine earlier in the episode, and yeah. I didn't address it. I just kept on rolling, but hopefully Joel feels better. 
and better, buddy. on one royal way later this week. So anyway, uh, thank you to KCSC, Drum Farm, Tickets for Less, KCSN. Thanks for having us. Thanks for being here. Good night, Canada. <laughs>